Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. We are clearly not living in a real world, folks. We're living in a Democrat media-generated illusion, a fantasy land. And it is, uh, it's frustrating because everybody is aware of what's happening, and yet nobody steps outside it. Nobody calls it out except for... Well, people like me and others elsewhere in the media. What I'm talking about, by the way, greetings, and great to have you with us. Yes, sirree, Bob. Three more hours of broadcast excellence hosted by me, your guiding light, Rush Limbaugh, behind the golden EIB microphone. So yesterday, at the so-called Trump impeachment trial, Trump's warriors presented another day of their case. Pam Bondi literally destroyed the entire case. Alan Dershowitz literally destroyed the entire case. When those two were finished, every Republican senator should have stood up and told Mitch McConnell, let's move to acquit. This is, abso- this is a farce. This is absolutely ridiculous what's going on here. But, of course, none of them did. No, no, of course, now we got to get reacted to, uh, to, to, to the, the Kavanaugh episode here with Bolton. Now we got to start talking about whatever we're going to call witnesses. Pam Bondi literally destroyed the Bidens yesterday by using drive-by media reports, clearly establishing the corruption in Ukraine of Hunter Biden, and his father, Joe Biden, clearly using drive-by media reports, illustrating that it was Joe Biden who interfered in Ukraine politics, demanding that a prosecutor trying to get the goods on his son be fired. She played the audio and the video of Biden bragging about it, and it made clear Just as everything else in this case is, it was not Trump that colluded with Russia, for example. It was Hillary. It was the Democrats. It was the Democrat National Committee. It was Fusion GPS. They colluded with Russia. Trump didn't. Well, Trump did not. He he might have have, uh, uh, attempted to get to the bottom of what was going on with the Bidens, but there's a federal law requiring him to do so. If we're going to extend aid to a foreign country, ostensibly an ally, then the president is required to make sure we're not throwing money at a corrupt government with corrupt operations, and part of that was to figure out what was going on with the Bidens, and she just laid it out. And it was clear that it isn't Trump that has done anything nefarious here. It was the Bidens. It was the Democrats. It was the Obama administration where all of this actually happened. And thus all of this, meaning Trump-Russia collusion, the Mueller investigation, now this, is all a gigantic cover-up of what the Democrats did. But Bondi exposed it yesterday. Now, none of the big three networks covered it. They bumped out of it. They covered every word that Adam Schiff said. But they didn't cover Pam Bondi. They didn't cover Dershowitz. So as far as people who watch ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC are concerned, it didn't happen. Nobody knows it. Except that you do. You know everything that Pam Bondi exposed yesterday. What Pam Bondi informed the Senate, yes, it was not news to you. You know it. You've 
seen the video of Biden bragging about getting a prosecutor fired. You've heard the audio of it on this program. You've heard it talked about numerous times. And in a real world, and I, I, I look, I know that there are articles of impeachment and I know that they've got to adjudicate those. and all, But at some point, the reality becomes clear here. And how any Republican in that chamber could sit through that presentation yesterday and not realize what's going on and then not demand that it be stopped to move for an acquittal is just, well, I, you know, I say it's mind-boggling to me, but it really isn't because I understand how all this works. It has no relationship to common sense. Whatsoever, and the underlying reality here that uh, that hasn't changed, and I, I, I wish I wish this weren't the case, but there is so much hatred for Donald Trump through all levels of Washington, and I think even a bunch of uh, Republicans, elected Republicans, House and Senate, who are sitting on top of one of the greatest political opportunities in their lives, refusing to take advantage of it because they have such a distaste for an outsider moving in on their territory and succeeding. And because an outsider has moved in on their territory and really shown them up in three years, demonstrated how much progress can happen, how much improvement for average Americans can occur. What all average Americans have grown up believing their government is invested in, making life better for people that live in America. Here's a guy that's done it in three years, showing up everybody who hasn't been able to do it in their lifetimes. How ridiculous. Here's Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. Pierre Delecto. Let's just review here again. That's one of his favorite self-nicknames, right, Mr. Snurdly? Pierre Delecto. When Mitt Romney ran for president, when did he, 2012, right? Seems like it was a long time. Well, it was, 2012. Romney running for president. The Democrat Party accused him, Harry Reid accused him of not paying his taxes. Harry Reid called the media. So a friend of mine just told me Mitt Romney hadn't paid his taxes in 10 years. Media said, what proof do you have? Harry Reid said, you know, Ask me. You need to go ask Romney. Why he hadn't paid his taxes in 10 years? They filed out, went over to ask Romney, why haven't you paid your taxes in 10 years? They accused Mitt Romney of having no compassion whatsoever for the wife of an employee who was allowed to die because Romney did not extend health care benefits sufficiently to his employees. They accused Romney of beating up some wimp at his prep school. And being a bully, they accused Romney of being anti-dog and anti-animal by putting a family dog on the top of the station wagon on a family vacation, driving all over the fruited plain with the poor dog up there, salivating, sweating, panting, and all that. Who is it that Mitt Romney's siding with? Who is it that Mitt Romney is sidling up to and trying to be on the same side? The same people that destroyed his presidential candidacy. The same party, the same people that did every lied about him, slandered him, libeled him. He is on their side here. Mitt Romney's so obvious, he's running around, basically, as I said yesterday, offering to be a stand-in president if anybody still wants it. 
And Romney is not alone. Practically every Republican in that chamber, every Republican in Washington has been blasphemed, has been slandered, has been libeled by the Democrat Party and the media at some point in their careers. And there are some of them who nevertheless are siding with those very people. You might even be able to say that about John Bolton. John Bolton's been hated and despised by all the people in the drive-by media who now claim to love him. There's even talk, I watched it today, you know, Trump, Trump has a philosophy and a theory, and that is total victory, no compromise victory, total victory, particularly when he thinks that he's being lied about. So he continually refers to his phone call with Zelensky as a perfect call. There was nothing wrong with this call. You've read the transcript. There was nothing wrong with it. There's nothing impeachable in it. There were 20 people on the call for crying out loud. 20 people heard this call. There was no way any chicanery could have taken place. Still, people say that Trump wanted a quid pro quo. And that's what Bolton's saying. Trump wanted, said he hoped this, but it didn't happen. So now you've got leftists coming out of the woodwork. What well, doesn't matter? If Trump wanted to commit a crime, he as well as did. Common law says that just because you didn't do what you wanted to do doesn't mean you didn't commit a crime. So now Trump is going to be accused guilty of a thought crime. So there is a developing consensus, shall I say, a developing consensus that Trump could make this all go away if he would just admit that the call was not perfect. That if he would just admit that, yeah, he was attempting to do this or that and the other, but that it didn't work, that everybody go away because there would then be nothing to prosecute. I'm seeing this from all over there. Trump should not have ever said that was a perfect call. He should never have said he didn't do anything wrong. He should have admitted it. And he should have taken this away from him, taken away this whole opportunity. Now, people are saying he could still do that. He could make this go away by now admitting that it wasn't a perfect phone call. Does anybody believe that if Trump came out and said, okay, okay, it wasn't a perfect phone call, okay, okay, yeah, maybe I was looking at a quid pro quo, but I didn't get one and it didn't happen and they got there. Does anybody think it would go away? It ought to go away because it is baseless. I know there's polling data. The American people aren't watching. Trump's numbers are rising during all of this. So, Rush, you need to just kind of slough it off. Don't let it get to you all that much. Well, it gets to me only because, uh, folks, in the, in the face of obvious common sense... There remains this collective resistance to an obvious and apparent stare-you-in-the-face truth. And that is that every every article of impeachment and all of these charges against Trump are bogus. And now this Bolton thing, it's amazing. We have the audio soundbites coming up. It's amazing how many people picked up on my analogy to that Kavanaugh-Christine-Balsey-Ford event. We've got audio of Pam Bondi decimating the Bidens. 
Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, we've got that. We've even, the Politico has even uncovered a story. Lobbyist bought tropical land from Biden's brother. Scott Green, a lobbyist with close ties to Joe Biden, purchased Virgin Islands property from James Biden and then extended him a private mortgage. And they're talking about how this has never been reported before. This is an exclusive report from the Politico. about the extended corruption throughout the family of Joe Biden, which, of course, must be covered up, must be mischaracterized. I wa- and there's going to be a lot of focus on the audio soundbites today because there are some really uh, great pieces of gold in it. And I want to start with something that happened. It's audio soundbite number one, Mr. Broadcast Engineer. I have, and many others, have opined over the years that it's not really Trump that the Washington establishment and the never-Trumpers hate. It's you. You who voted for him. You who continue to support him. You who cannot be persuaded to abandon him. It is you they really hate. It is you they really despise. It is you motivating them and inspiring them to try to overturn your election in 2016 because they disapprove of the result because you made it happen. For anybody thinks that the Washington government, the Washington-established Democrat Party is looking out for the little guy. How many of you believe that it's the Republicans that are the mean-spirited, extremist, rich white guys that don't care anything about people? It's the Democrats who have all the compassion. It's the Democrats who have all the understanding. It's Democrats looking out for the minorities. Democrats looking out for the downtrodden. Democrats looking out for the homeless and the hungry and the thirsty. Democrats looking out for the disadvantaged. Democrats looking out for all of those who have grievances. You could not be more wrong. Let's have a little 45-second soundbite here. This is what this impeachment is all about. It's what Trump-Russia collusion and that effort was all about. It's what the Kavanaugh hearings were all about. They hate Trump, but they hate you more. Trump's going to come and go. He's term limited. He can't serve more than two terms. But you can continue to vote for people like Trump. You are despised. Last night, CNN Tonight with Don Lemon had a discussion about Secretary of State Mike Pompeo challenging an NPR reporter to find Ukraine on a map. Pompeo was lied to by the NPR reporter. He was set up twice. She promised him she was not going to ask him about Ukraine, only Iran, and then she didn't ask anything about Iran. And then she promised him that any conversation after the interview would be off the record. She lied about both. Pompeo called her out demanded that she find Ukraine on a map, and she couldn't. The NPR reporter pointed to Bangladesh. When Pompeo asked her, you're asking me all about Ukraine, you don't even know where it is. Find it for me on the map. She thought it was where Bangladesh is. So Pompeo kicked her off his airplane. Because she lied to him twice and set him up. 
in this interview and the interview conversation or conversation afterwards. This is what they're talking about on CNN last night. So we have Don Lemon, the host. We have a New York Times contributor named Wajahat uh, Ali. And a Republican strategist named Rick Wilson, who just hates Trump. He has hated Trump from 2016 on. Mr. Snurdly, I'm having a, I'm having a tough time remembering who he worked for. Who did Rick, Rick his name is Rick uh, Wilson. Who did he work for? Was it, nah, Chris Christie. I'm thinking somebody like uh, McCain. Was it McCain? Was that, I, I, all these guys, they run together. I can't. I should have looked it up. Uh, anyways, a Republican strategist. Now, I'm going to take a break here and get to the soundbite after the break. But uh, it's, where do you hear it? I mean, you talk, it's, it's ridiculing you. It's making fun of you. It is, it's just, a, it's a window into how they look at you, folks. Quick timeout, though. We'll get to it right after this. Donald Trump at a joint presser right now with Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel announcing a new Middle East peace plan. We'll have details coming up. Okay, here's the bite. Rick Wilson, uh, did they see a New York Times contributor, Wajahat Ali, and Don Lemon, CNN. Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. This is, you know, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump that wants to think that... <laughs> That Donald Trump's a smart one, and there are y'all. Y'all elitists are dumb. Are you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling? Even though my your math and your reading. Yeah, you're reading. You know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Right. Uh, the NPR reporter didn't know where Ukraine is on a map, but Wilson is there imitating the typical Trump voter, which is missing the two front teeth. Hey, dude, you know what? I tell you what, you lead us. You you don't know nothing. It's us that we're you 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 y'all are dumb. We're the smart one. Donald Trump's smart. Donald Trump's smart. And all you 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 lead don't know. So they give away what it is that really bugs them, and they give away, but, but it was Don Lemon uncontrollably, hysterically laughing in the background. Don Lemon, the guy who once asked Gene Shivo if a black hole might have swallowed up the Malaysian airliner that was missing. And they're talking about how dumb and stupid you Trump voters are. On see having the biggest time doing that last like Ralph Northam of Virginia. In case you don't know, Rick Wilson, uh, maybe the poster boy for Trump derangement syndrome. He's right along there with George Conway, but he's even he's even more disturbed and upset than than, than Conway is. Um, he has uh, he's he said that he's posted some of the most vile, obscene things about Trump and his supporters over the years. And if you care to see them, any Google search will uh, turn them up. I mean, give an example. He's been calling, Rick Wilson's been calling Trump supporters neo-Nazis since the 2016 campaign. In that soundbite, he refers to uh, Trump supporters as the Rube Boomer demographic. 
bunch of rube baby boomers, meaning you people that are senior citizens now. You're just a bunch of idiot hayseeds out there thinking you're smarter than all the smart people of Washington. And you got your lines on the map, and you got your cranes on the map, and you know where all these things are. You just, you think everybody a bunch of dumb hicks when it's you who are the dumb hicks. So, they just, if you listen, they'll tell you exactly what they think of you. And then you've got Don Lemon there laughing hysterically. Let's go back. This is March 19th, 2014, CNN special report, The Mystery of Flight 370. This is the missing Malaysian Airlines flight. Don Lemon is uh, speaking with former Department of Transportation Inspector General Mary Shivo about the missing airliner and had this to say. What if it was something fully that we don't really understand? A lot of people have been asking about that, about black holes and on and on and on. A lot of people, a lot of people been asking about black holes, Mary. Could that jet have been swallowed up by a black hole? And boy, did she employ a bunch of grace answering this stupid fool question. Yeah, I know Rick Wilson. He worked with Connie Mack and George H.W. Bush. He also ran Giuliani's Senate campaign in 2000. But there's somebody not on that list. That's the Wikipedia entry. I went there. And it uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It, it just it's it's just it was a little bit of information I thought I had and couldn't uh, couldn't remember it. Uh, let's stick with the audio soundbites here for just a second, folks, because yesterday on this program, I came along and I said, oh, and something. Well, I'll get to it in due course. Kobe Bryant crash told you what that was going to be about, too. And it is. You know, when I do that, I wonder how many of you, when you see the report later in the day, wonder, that's exactly what Rush told us it was going to be. So yesterday, Bolton comes out, does his thing. You know, one of his former chiefs of staff, Fred Fleiss, I think is his name, has called on Bolton to withdraw the book. Says that it is... um, This is just, it's shameful, dangerous, and inexplicable. Fred Flights, John Bolton, former chief of staff, Fred Flights wrote an op-ed for Fox calling on Bolton to withdraw the book from publication. Flights said, I don't understand the need for a former national security advisor to publish a tell-all book critical of a president he served during a presidential election campaign that's going to determine the fate of the country. There'll be a time for Bolton to speak out without appearing to try to tip a presidential election. Fred Flights also said presidents have to be able to candidly consult with their advisors without worrying they're going to leak these discussions to the media or get high-dollar book contracts to publish them. This book may set a dangerous precedent since it could discourage future presidents from seeking advice from expert advisors on sensitive national security matters. You know, that... As I have I've shared with you over the course of the many years that I have hosted this program, this whole notion of advisors has really been a big bugaboo with me. And the whole notion of advisors on the premise and strategists on the premise, the candidate has no idea what he thinks. Candidate has no idea what his policy is, so he needs some advisors. And of course, there's a there's a big push 
from the establishment class to get advisors in there. This is what happened to Trump during his campaign. Hired a, he didn't have a foreign policy team. He was running the campaign. It's early on. And everybody said, you need some foreign policy advisors. Trump said, why? I know what I want my foreign policy. Well, you just, you need advisors. Every campaign needs advisors. So he went out and hired a bunch of people. One of them was Papadopoulos. And he'd never met him, didn't know who Papadopoulos was. Papadopoulos ended up being chosen by the FBI and the deep state to run a scam to try to um, implicate Trump in the, in, the, in the Russia collusion story. And Bolton was put in, you know, Bolton was there because people convinced Trump that, hey, for your credibility, you, 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 you need somebody that your voters like. You need somebody in there that's really tough, really pro-America, really isn't going to take any guff, really going to do your bidding for you. So he goes out and gets Bolton. And then for whatever reason, I think Bolton, uh, the story I got is that Bolton wanted to expand our military presence in various places, which goes counter to Trump policy. And then the, the usual allegations that Bolton was leaking, I think everybody in the Trump White House leaks or has at one point or another. So Bolton gets fired, doesn't like getting fired. Says he didn't get fired, says he resigned. Trump says, no, I fired him. He wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. So now here we are with a tell-all book timed. I mean, the timing of this this release, this anonymously sourced release. Nobody that's reported on this has even seen the manuscript yet. There's a second edition to the Bolton story now that Bill Barr reportedly told the attorney general, reportedly told Bolton that he was really worried, really worried that Trump's out there giving aid and comfort to dictators. In Turkey, I forget the other country, but Trump's out there, he's, he's making it easy for these dictators to be dictators. Trump admires these dictators. Trump likes dictators. Trump is very friendly with Dick, loves Xi Jinping in China, loves the dictators. So now the story is that Trump himself is a wannabe dictator. And that Bolton's book establishes this. So Bill Barr's after this didn't happen. That conversation never happened. There's also an alleged conversation with Mulvaney about something similar. Mulvaney's denying that that conversation ever happened. So yesterday when the Bolton thing hit, of course, I compared it to Kavanaugh and the timing, and here comes the drive-by media who hates John Bolton. Any day of the week, they have hated Bolton. They've accused Bolton of being a misogynist. They've accused him of being mean-spirited to women. They've attacked him for having a mustache. They've attacked him for being an autocrat. They've said Bolton is an out-of-control military hawk. He can't wait to blow up the world. They hate the guy. But now, now they love the guy. So this morning on CNN's newsroom, there's a little report about the blowback against Biden or uh, Bolton that occurred yesterday. It's certainly safe to say that his stock has fallen with the Republican Party. Here is just a look at some of those attacks. Senator Rand Paul called him a disgruntled employee. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley called him not a first-hand witness, which is confusing because actually he is a first-hand witness. Uh, Senator John Barrasso had to say there's nothing new here. He's just trying to sell books. Rush Limbaugh, of course, weighed in, calling Bolton disloyal. Is it the last name they meant? Rush Limbaugh, of course, weighed in and called Bolton disloyal. 
Well, what, what would you call it? And now there are stories everywhere that people that end up working for Trump all hate his guts. And people that work for Trump realize how dangerous Trump is. And people that work for Trump realize how out of control and unsophisticated and, and ignorant that Donald Trump is. And so they have to go out and leak to protect the country. They have to go out and leak. They have to let everybody know how dangerous things are for the United States right now in the world because Donald Trump is president. Meanwhile, everywhere you look and in any measure of United States strength, the United States ability to project power, we are at a peak high Our economy is stronger and more resilient than it has been in 50 years. There are more people working. There are fewer people unemployed, both in real-term numbers and statistically, percentage-wise, than in 50 years. There has been simply a massive reversal of fortunes for the United States of America in areas that make a difference. For the general population of this country and these people just for some reason cannot stand it. And it shows no signs of ending. Brief time out. We'll come back. We will uh, at some point interject your phone calls into the mix. So be patient. Back here before you know it. Don't go away. Hi, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh on the Cutting Edge. Having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. Let's get started on the phones. I'm going to start with Aaron in Baltimore. It's great to have you, sir. Hello. Hey, Maha Rushi Megadittos. Thank you, sir. I was hoping you could provide your audience with your assessment as to the motivations of Rick Wilson, Pierre Delecto, and the Never Trump, specifically as to what it is that causes them to talk down to normal Americans with such disdain. Uh, well, you know, I, of course, can answer this. But before I do, I would like to know what you think about I me. Mean, how do you, I mean, you're one of the people being talked down to. So what? what is your impression? What What do you think is the reason for it? And how do you feel when it happens? Does it bother you? It, it certainly bothers me. And, and it's not just him. Specifically, the reason I called was because your opening monologue um, yesterday on Twitter, I read author Brad Thor, who's a conservative-leaning author, who's also a never-Trumper, list out a, a series of lies, that are quote-unquote lies, that the president has stated. Everything from Stormy Daniels to the phone call to exaggerating the size of his inauguration crowds. I, I guess the, the main alternate question of this is, do I live in an alternate universe? Uh, they challenge my common sense, and you said that in your opening monologue, is that you look at it from a common sense standpoint. I, I can't help but fathom the fact that I look at the world and see reality. What is it that these people think that I can't find Ukraine on a map? It, 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 it irks me. They can't explain Trump winning. I, I don't don't doubt me on this. They cannot explain themselves and their candidate losing. This was supposed to be, remember, a slam dunk establishment victory 
Hillary Clinton a candidate. To all of these so-called Republican strategists, all these Republicans, that their noses out of they would much rather have had Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump, somebody in their own party, somebody implementing policies they supposedly have supported all their lives. It boils down to the fact that they simply resent that, that, that they lost. And they comfort themselves by saying, well, a bunch of idiots got together and outnumbered them. And that they didn't really lose and that they weren't really rejected is just you, a bunch of mind-numb robots, had a bunch of propaganda wired into your brains and you believed it because you're a bunch of stupid fool idiots for rejecting them. It's all about rejection. It's all about the fact that they thought they owned this process of who it is that's going to run for president and get elected. It's going to be somebody from the establishment. It's going to be somebody with a proper pedigree, a proper education. It's going to be somebody they approve of and know. And it's going to be somebody who's going to know his place or her place after he or she wins. If it's a Republican, going to know they're going to come after him and it's going to have to bend over and let them do whatever they do to try to discredit him. That's the price for victory. If it's a Democrat, going to be celebrated as smartest man ever. But at least it's going to be somebody from inside the club. Trump is from outside, and a bunch of people voted for him. That they have not, the real indication, the real thing to know about this is that large swaths of your own government, Aaron, have never really quote unquote cared about you. Despite their claims, they've never really given one iota about you and your life or your future, or they wouldn't have sold your jobs down the river to foreign countries, or they wouldn't have made sure you couldn't afford health care, or they wouldn't have done a whole bunch of other things and tried to tell you that this is the best you get. In the eight years of Obama, they would not, I mean, really tried to sell everybody in the idea that America's best days are behind us, and that there's a new era now, an era of decline that America didn't really deserve all of the riches and success in the past. Now it's time to pay the piper. We got to get real. We got to join the rest of the world. We cannot be bigger and better and smarter than the rest of them. It's not fair. It's not right, particularly when our own founding is unjust and immoral. They just, I, I could make this as simple or as complex as I want, but I think it is about rejection and fear they they know trump's going to win again they know that they no longer have any kind of a hold over average americans and and their votes and so that's why the tendency here among these people is toward an even more expansive government with more control over decisions that you might make. They want to take as much freedom and liberty away from you as in a, in a as they can get away with. They're making moves on the Second Amendment in various places. But a lot of these people have just have taken it uh, have taken it personally. Even though people voting for Trump, 99.9% I've never heard of Rick Wilson. But he's taking it as though he's been personally rejected and insulted and is lashing back at people who don't even know him and don't even care if he takes his next breath. Which also bothers him. Common sense 
Common sense is the enemy of bureaucracies. Common sense is the enemy of massively complex organizations and structures that are designed to perpetuate themselves as opposed to solve problems. Anyway, Aaron, I'm glad you called. We'll take a brief break as we must and be back and continue after this. (laughs) Hey, look at this. Folks, look at a New York Post headline. Hillary Clinton admits she feels an urge to run against Trump again. Mrs. Clinton, you sure it just isn't diarrhea? Maybe constipation? She admits she feels an urge to run against Trump again because she thinks that she can win this time. That's what I mean. These people are deluded, folks. They are so absent common sense, it's remarkable. And greetings to you, music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists all across the fruited plain, Rush Limbaugh, serving humanity simply by showing up. The telephone number is 800-282-2882 if you want to be on the program. Now, one thing about Rick Wilson to remember, the guy is a Republican, okay? So he's out there insulting Republican voters. I, for the life of me, you know, look, I... I understand people's noses out of joint, and I understand a bunch of elitists. Elitists never expect to be outsmarted. This is the thing. And they look at this as being outsmarted, although they'll deny that. They'll, they'll, this is the weirdest thing of chance that ever happened to them. Who could have predicted this? Nobody could have predicted Well, a lot of people did predict it. And I am one of them. And I think if you go back and look at the record, I was one of the earliest to suggest that Donald Trump is going to win this and can win this. And it was in 2015 that I said that. And as we got into 2016, it became more and more abundantly clear to me. And it didn't take, you know, a college degree in political science. And it didn't take a lifetime of experience in official political science think tank situations All it required was an understanding of the American people and a pair of eyes and the willingness to admit that what you were seeing was real. And this is what these people denied. They saw the rallies. They denied it. They saw that Hillary Clinton couldn't draw flies. They denied that it meant anything. They saw that Hillary Clinton didn't go to Wisconsin or Michigan or Ohio, and they said it didn't mean anything. They saw Donald Trump survive the Access Hollywood video, and it didn't mean anything to him. They saw Donald Trump not only survive the Access Hollywood video, he then puts Bill Clinton sexually abused women in the front row of the final debate, and they didn't see how that worked. They didn't, they did, it was right in front of their face that Trump was going to win, and that Hillary and they were going to get shellacked. They're the smart people, and they didn't see what was right in front of their face. So now, guess what? You're the idiots, and they are the brilliant, smart elitists who were upset by some weird quirk of fate or confluence of circumstances. Look, I posited last week that New Jersey could be in play. In 2020, this presidential election year, and a lot of people rush. That's that's really. I mean, I I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I said we won it in 1988. 
when George H.W. Bush was running as the third term of Rinaldus Magnus. The Republicans won New Jersey in 88. There's a lot of things going on. Trump has a rally in New Jersey. either, I guess, tomorrow night. 150,000 people, 175,000 have applied for tickets in an arena that holds 7,500 people have been lined up for three days to get into this thing in New Jersey. Now, the smart people will look at that, doesn't matter. And what will they say? They're just a bunch of rube boomers. Just a bunch of rube old people, noses out of joint because they don't like minorities and they don't like foreigners and they don't like immigration. And, and, and that, so you are immediately cast aside and discounted. Trump rallies tonight. Now, something the days run together. They're going by so quickly, as you know. And it, it didn't, it didn't take. Look. Look, I mentioned this last week, folks. Do you remember the July 15th, June 15th, Trump comes down the escalator. Do you remember what he said about Mexican murderers and rapists and purse snatchers? And, and he got elected. He defied every norm supposedly established in politics. And these people saw it all happen. Meanwhile, there's Jeb Bush, whose Republican establishment spent $100 million and got three delegates, and they still didn't see what was going on. They were in utter denial that entire campaign, and they have remained in denial since election night 2016. They have all signed on to whatever efforts have been undertaken to overturn the election and get rid of Trump. And at every turn, they have failed. At every, they are a collection of wild E. Coyotes. So, yeah, they go on CNN and start laughing at you. You, who are living in a rebirthed economy, who are living in a record high stock market with most Americans invested in it one way or another. A president who's doing everything he can to slow down illegal immigration and succeeding. Everything's right in front of their face. They continue to deny it. They continue to resent it. You understand these people. These are in their own minds. They are the smartest people in the country. And they have thrown everything they think they've got in terms of power at getting rid of Donald Trump, and every one of them has blown up in their faces. And every one of them, they think they're there. They think they're there now. They're, they're actually, I guarantee what these people are thinking. They're thinking that with this Bolton business and with the House manager's case, they're thinking they're going to get a conviction in the Senate. You've heard the conventional witness, no, Rush, they're never going to get a conviction. I mean, that would require 20 Republicans voting with every Democrat to convict, and they don't have a case. These people are hoping, what's Bolton about if not getting a conviction? What is this demand for witnesses all about if not ultimately getting a conviction? I'm telling you, they are trying to get Trump removed from office before this next election, folks. Everybody in that establishment, because they know they can't beat him. 
They are the ones tampering and meddling in an election. They're doing it right now. And they've been doing it ever since the 2016 election. They're the ones that meddled. I don't care what the hell the Russians did. The Russians didn't do anything that had any diff- made any difference. These people literally tried. They tried to rig that election. They rigged it against crazy Bernie in the Democrat primary. And now they're trying to overturn that election still while rigging the next one. And in the midst of all this, they're telling us that Trump is doing this. The only way Trump is rigging an election is by getting more and more people on his side who are going to vote for him. That they can't control. And they have tried. They've tried to separate Trump's voters from Trump going on four years. And if you count the campaign, it's six. And they have bombed out at every turn, every plan that they've laid, every plan they've implemented, every October surprise or similar type surprise they've tried has blown up in their face. And you know why? Among many other reasons, because Trump gets up and goes to work every day and doesn't get hunkered down responding and defending to everything. He tweets and he gets that out like that, but it doesn't hasn't stopped him from doing his job. So his polling numbers are increasing during all of this, and that infuriates them. Can you imagine, pretend that you have control over the mainstream media. Just pretend for a moment, because they do. The Washington establishment, for the most part, has control of the mainstream media. In fact, I would say it's the mainstream media that has become the Washington establishment. I think it's the mainstream media that's actually running a Democrat party. I've thought this for a long time. Just imagine you have control of the mainstream media. You, you see the evidence of it every day. And they still can't stop the guy. So what is there left to do but insult you rubes who refuse to see it their way? This is unprecedented. These people have never, ever been humiliated like this by an outsider Oh, I mean, there there may be a couple of instances where an outsider won a House race or a Senate race, but nothing on the scale of Donald Trump and the American presidency. Look at all the plants that remain from the Obama administration that have been leaking and lying about Trump since he was inaugurated, and they still can't get rid of it. Can you imagine the frustration? Imagine if you had control of the number one weapon to create public opinion, and you couldn't do it. No matter how much control and no matter how success you have in wielding that control, you do not get the result that you want. But I'll tell you what, Rick Wilson, I mean, this this guy is a Republican. He's worked for Giuliani. He's worked for... I still think the guy... I don't know. I don't know why I'm associating his name with McCain. I may be confusing him with others. But at any rate, he's a Republican. And he's out there insulting Republican voters now. Could somebody explain to me the sense in that? You know me. I'm the mayor of Realville. I'm Mr. Literal. I am Mr. Common Sense. I think what we're seeing is these people are not who they have always wanted us to believe they are. What are you? You're frowning at me in there, Mr. Snert. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
Well, Mr. Schnurdly, the official program observer, just said, eh, a lot of these Republican consultants never cared about the voter. They always cared about the money. Well, yeah, but I mean, they all care about – everybody cares about money. Uh, but but not caring about the voters – I know what you mean. You care about the voters as far as it takes to get them to vote your way. But after that, the hell with them. After that, the hell with what they want. After that, the hell with what they're upset about. As long as you get them to vote for your candidate, mission accomplished, and in the next four years, you'll start paying attention to them again. Or the next two years. But that's the thing. Trump is, is what do you call it, outsmarting or outmaneuvering all of these gigantic brains, all of these multifaceted, vastly experienced types. And they're just having... So let me grab a quick call. This looks intriguing to me. Passaic, New Jersey. This is Eric. As we um, bust up the programming format by taking a call in the monologue segment. Hey, Eric, how are you doing? Hi, Rush. Rush, uh, I'll be real quick. My, uh, I grew up a Democrat. I remember my dad making us watch uh, Huntley Brinkley on NBC, the nightly news. And I voted, every Demo- I voted for Hillary. I voted for every Democrat since. But... I've been thinking, you know, um, some of the things Trump says, I've always believed in. My dad did, too. And I'm starting to think, I'm holding on by a thread until I heard Schiff. And I do know... Now, wait, 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 wait. What, what do you mean holding on by a thread? Holding on to what by a thread? Being a Democrat. Oh, being a Democrat, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm still holding on. I told you, I voted for Hillary. Right. But what I've seen what Trump's done, as I said before, I've always thought about America the way he does. Yeah. And the Democrats don't. And what really turned me off... Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Don't lose your train of thought. But that's it in a nutshell. You've always thought about America the way Trump does. Make America great again. America first. America's the good guys. Then you said the Democrats don't. Bingo. Okay, continue. I didn't want that to go by uncommented upon. Go ahead, resume your brilliant thought out there, Eric. Okay. Anyway, um, I was watching, I watched all of shit, I'm saying, with the House uh, Committee uh, on Impeachment. And I'm watching it, and I'm saying, wow, you know, I'm watching NBC, of course. And all of a sudden, I go, okay, well, I'm going to hear from the Republicans. And I heard, I knew beyond, uh, Pam was going to speak. Bondi. I knew she was going to speak. I always liked her down in Florida. Yeah. And it wasn't on. They didn't cover it. So I switched the box and I saw it. Now, that has totally, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with NBC watching any of their news shows. To do that, and I'm a lifelong Democrat. Give me a break. Don't think I'm some cattle herding into a pen that I'm just going to vote Democrat every time. That's what they think. Well, so, I'm done. so you've had it. You've had it with the Democrats. Now the thread is gone, along with yep. the thrill, and so you're finished with NBC as well. Yep, won't watch the show. I grew up with it. Well, I watched it all my life. Okay. I, was pro, I was programmed. I understand. I understand. Welcome home. Yeah, Rush. You watched the stuff with Bondi yesterday. We've got this coming up. We've got three or four sound bites with Pam Bondi and and uh, and Dershowitz. But he's right. It, by the way, Eric, it wasn't just NBC. ABC and CBS pulled away from coverage. 
They covered every syllable and every lie from Adam Schiff and the House managers. If you watch ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, you didn't see Pam Bondi yesterday. But you're going to hear parts of a presentation on the program. They're like, glad you called. I appreciate it. See, this is happening out there with more people than you can possibly imagine. Think about Donald Trump. Donald Trump, for much of his life in New York, was a Democrat. It was the path of least resistance. At one point in his life, Donald Trump was uh, he was not an activist pro-choice, but when the subject came up, I support a woman's right to choose. It's a path of least resistance. Now look at it. First president to ever attend in person a pro-life rally, the pro-life rally of all of them. Donald Trump's real. He has had a transformation. He's undergone a transformation based on real life things that have happened to him. I've been telling him for years things he now believes because he's experienced it. He's always been his own man. He'd ask people what they think, but only to find out what they think, not because he wasn't sure what he thought. I'll never forget when I left New York. He said, why'd you leave? I said, this is ridiculous, the taxes. And I gave him the amount of money every year I was not going to have to pay. He said, oh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people thinking they're going to leave. I said, well, they will at some point if this doesn't change. What about you? How long are you going to put up with, oh, I'm a New Yorker, so I can't go anywhere. Now he's left. Now he's changed his resume. We'll take a break and be back in a second. Don't go away. Hi, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh here on the cutting edge. Talent on loan from God. Right, here's, uh, here's Greg in Atlanta. Great to have you, sir. I'm glad you called, and I'm glad you held on to be patient. Hello. Uh, thanks, Rush. You're a long-time listener, first-time caller. So uh, I wanted your uh, your take on this on this Bolton business because nobody on the left or the right has really talked about it, and that is we're going to find out real quick what Bolton knows, either through his testimony or his book. And if it's if it's not corroborated through any any other witnesses or people or evidence, it's a he said he said thing. And what will happen if the Kavanaugh trial or thousand years of <laughs> due process has taught us anything, you couldn't give Trump a parking ticket for that. Never mind impeach a president. We're going to impeach a president because John Bolton said so or anyone else for that matter. Let, let me let, wait. Let me see if I understand what you're saying. So all we have right now is an anonymous source claiming to have seen the transcript in which John Bolton says that President Trump told him that he wanted to withhold the aid until Ukraine did an investigation. So your question, okay, when the book comes out, and if that is verified, if that's what Bolton actually says, but then over here Trump is denying it, then it's he said, she said. If there's no nobody around to corroborate Bolton's claim, then you're asking how the hell can we impeach or convict the president because of that? That is absolutely correct. He's already been... Uh Bill Barr is already refuted in the Justice Department what he's what he said between those two. And, you know, selling a book doesn't doesn't lend any kind of credibility to him on top of that. But I'm just saying you need more than just, hey, believe me, folks, it's just because I said so. Well, I mean, isn't that Kavanaugh? You got to look at the you got to look at the objective of the people 
that made this happen. And this would be whoever leaked it and the New York Times. So what is their objective here? And the objective, I'm, we must say, we have to, the objective has never been truth because they've never been right about anything. They, 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 were, they lied to us about the Ballsy Ford story, Kavanaugh, the whole Trump-Russia collusion thing was one lie after another, never ending substantiated, never, no crime, there wasn't a collusion, none of it. Uh, so there's no truth here either. That, that can be firmly, and Dershowitz said yesterday, even if what Bolton says happened, happened, there's nothing in it that is impeachable. So what is the objective behind this? That's the real question. All right, so let me answer my own question because I'm going to leave you hanging. What's the objective here? Remember when this all started, I was asking everybody, what is the real point here? They know they're not going to get a conviction. So what are they doing? What's the purpose? And remember when Pelosi delayed sending the articles of impeachment over to the Senate. What's he trying to do? I, I think now it's obvious. Let's let's stick with the idea they're not going to get a conviction. Although, I think as days go by, there are those on the anti-Trump side who are beginning to dream about it. But the objective of the, what was the purpose when the Kavanaugh thing happened this is exactly what's happening here. This is a... It's the same playbook. It's the same thing that the Comey book attempted to do with Trump. Uh, it is the, the timing of this Bolton release is identical to out of the blue comes Christine Balsey Ford. When did that happen? It happened on the verge of Kavanaugh's confirmation. And it was designed to do what? Stop it. And expand the investigation, quote-unquote. Remember all the talk about bringing the FBI back in? They got to Jeff Flake. And so the FBI was brought back in. And the point of all that was to just delay the confirmation so that they could bring up a bunch of smack. Just make up a bunch of crap, throw it up against the wall, and hope and pray that it would get the guy's nomination pulled by Donald Trump. Because in that instance, it was about stopping Kavanaugh. He was on the verge of being confirmed, and so they had to stop it. They had the ballsy Ford story waiting to drop if needed, and it was. This is an exact replay. The Bolton leak is the ballsy Ford letter to her member of Congress. So what's the objective? The objective is to prevent the acquittal. The objective is to prolong this trial by demanding witnesses. Now, if there is a vote for witnesses, and of course you're Pierre Delecto, I think we need to hear from witnesses. Susan, I think we need to hear from witnesses. All because of this phony Bolton leak. Well, guess what? That's going to have to be litigated in court. The, the president's going to try to stop Bolton from testifying. And he's going to be legitimate in his efforts to assert executive privilege. Well, but, but Bolton doesn't work through it, but he did at the time... All of this is, uh, is relevant, and so, anyway, that's a court fight. That prolongs the time, and during the prolonging of the trial, guess what window opens? Let's dirty Trump up some more. Let's bring up 
What's what's going to be behind Bolton? What's the next leak when the Bolton thing bombs, when it doesn't work? What's next? There's always going to be something next the Democrats are going to do. There's always going to be the next Christine Bolsey Ford. There's always going to be the next Comey. And now there's always going to be the next Bolton. What is it going to be? The objective is to keep this going so that more dirt can be thrown, so that some of it might stick to Trump, so that it might eventually harm his re-election chances, 22. So that it might lead to some of these weak-kneed Republicans actually voting to convict. If they can keep this going for, uh, for more months, they've got a 2020 campaign issue. The president's unfitness to serve in office. And you know how it's going to go. The media and everybody will say the Democrats and the House managers have proven their case and the president knows it and they're just stalling and they're stalling and they're trying to keep you from learning the truth. And the crescendo that this man's unqualified because he cheated in 2016 and colluded with Russia, going to come back to life. And this whole thing is going to just be on a Groundhog Day kind of repeat. The objective is to stall the acquittal. Remember, that's always been the puzzling thing. Why in the world do this when you know at the end of it, president's going to effectively be said not guilty? So they're trying to dirty up the verdict. They're trying to make people doubt the acquittal. And they're going to say the Republicans are partisan. The Republicans are racist. The Republicans are, 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 are bigots. What, whatever the usual cliches are. Now, every one of these has blown up in their face. Kavanaugh blew up. Mueller blew up. Every one of them has blown up. The whistleblower. The whistleblower has blown up. And this talk. Well, how about how about we trade one witness for for your witness? What that? That's not. Dawn, you're a court reporter. Have you ever seen in court lawyers agree to trade witnesses? Okay, you want that witness? I'll give you that witness if you give me mine. Okay, so we'll have two witnesses. You get one, I get one. That's not how this works, but that's what's being proposed. And that's what these fools like Romney are thinking makes sense. That it's fairness. They're trying to prolong and prevent the acquittal and then ultimately dirty it up. Because they've got one objective, and that one objective, it hasn't changed. Trump is illegitimate. Trump didn't really win. Trump shouldn't be president. Trump stole it. Trump cheated. Trump's unqualified. Trump's a creep. Trump's an ogre. Trump's whatever. He shouldn't be there. That's why this needs to just be shut down. Declare it over. Summary judgment. After the Republicans have presented their case, the president's lawyers presented their case, take a vote. Screw this witnesses business and end this. Who cares what the media says about you? Look, I'm just going to repeat myself on one thing. For the longest time, Republicans have believed that it was their death knell to make a big deal about being pro-life. Republican women told Republican men, you better get rid of this issue. I'm tired of it. You can't tell me what I can and can't do with my buddy. I don't want to go to the convention with these pro-life hayseeds. I'm tired of it. You get rid of it. 
Now, guess what? The pro-choice part of the Republican Party is gone, and the only part of the Republican Party is pro-life. It's a major political victory, and the president, Donald Trump's the first sitting president to ever attend a pro-life rally in person, and he's still alive. And he's still climbing in the polls. So all of this conventional wisdom that says Republicans will die or get killed politically if they do this or do that, none of it's true. Trump's showing the way, he's demonstrating this, issue after issue. Here's Jeff in Parsippany, New Jersey. Great to have you, sir. Hello. Thank you, Rush. An honor and a privilege. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder, you know, after all the talk about Romney today, uh, that, uh, you know, America, if America realizes what a debt of gratitude we owe Mitt Romney. Because, you know, Rush, if Romney hadn't taken the dive that he took in 2012, i.e., taking the advice of advisors after he destroyed Obama in the debate and took it easy on him after that, and then handed Obama a second term on a silver platter, America never would have been given Donald Trump. So thank you, Mitt Romney, because if you had won that election... Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I'm fascinated by the way people think. I'm on record as having said that, but this I need... You, You think that we should collectively... Thank Mitt Romney for running and losing. Yes, Rush. In 2012, because if that hadn't happened, we might not have Trump now. That's right, Rush. Without four more years of the Whistler, okay, without four more years of Obama, we never would have gotten Donald Trump. Because after that four years, America was running so fast. And so hard in the opposite direction of anything Obama and Clinton, I, then there's we no, never there, would have had Trump well, if Romney had won that election. Uh, no, he would have been just one more deep state, one more I understand, establishment Republican. I understand that the second term of Obama ended up being uh, a booster and beneficial. Uh, but thanking Romney for losing? Uh, yeah, Rush. I mean, let's face it. The guy... He could have won that. He could have won that election. No, but when he when he no. did, what was he did that? He debate? couldn't have won the election. This is what we now know. He was never going to win the election. He's never going to be elected president, especially well, now. He's well, never going to be elected. He's running around. Hey, if you want to appoint me, I'll serve. That's the only chance he's got. Well, now we know, Rush, in 2012, looking back. It's obvious he really didn't want to win that election. Oh no, he did. You think so? He did want to win that election. He wanted to win it so bad he came here and told me that he was an extreme conservative, thinking that would tell me how conservative he was. Well, uh, I, I have to, I have to uh, uh, respectfully disagree with the Maha uh, on that one, and uh, now have to go back into my cave and rethink my. Well, you can my- go back to the cave. You don't need to go back. I'm telling you, Romney wanted to win. Can taste it. He still wants to be president. What the hell do you think this is all about? Running for the Senate from Utah? By the way, we ought to find out if there's any buyer's remorse in Utah over this. Nah, he wanted... Don't don't doubt me on this, Jeff. He didn't lose on purpose. He might have gone easy on Obama so they wouldn't call him a racist. But he didn't go easy on Obama to lose. He went easy on Obama because somebody convinced him that's what he would have to do to win. That it just didn't look good. You can't beat up girls and you can't attack the first black president. You can't do it, Mitt. you got to find another way. 
If you really want to thank anybody, thank Candy Crowley. But don't thank Mitt Romney. Yeah, 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 you're going to do the Pam Bondi uh, takedown of the Bidens in the trial yesterday. Do the top of the next hour in the uh, monologue segment of the next hour. I got an email that, that I want to share with you. Hey, Rush, that clip that you played from... In fact... Grab that. It's audio somebody number one. Um, and just to refresh your memory who this is, this is Don Lemon hosting on CNN. This is last night. Saturday night. Actually, happened, this happened Saturday. It took a couple days for this to be found because nobody watches CNN anymore. He had Republican, Republican advisor and consultant Rick Wilson and a New York Times, sorry, yeah, it's a New York Times contributor, Wajahat Ali. So you have Wajahat Ali, Don Lemon, and Republican strategist Rick Wilson. And they are commenting on the fact that Mike Pompeo kicked an NPR reporter off of his plane for lying to him. And they just think that's horrible. And this is... What happened? These people are laughing at you. They're mocking you. You bunch of uh, bunch of boomer rubes, the boomer rube demographic. Your hayseeds, your hicks, your idiots, and you think you're smarter than the real smart people in Washington. Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. This is, you know, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump that wants to think that, that Donald Trump's a smart one. And they're y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. Are you elitist with your geography and your maps and your spelling? Even though my your math and your reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries. Sipping your latte. <laughs> All those lines on the map. <laughs> <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. It's uh, Don Lemon there laughing hysterically uncontrollably in the background. He even had to pull out a, a handkerchief to dry his eyes. So I, I get an email. Dear Mr. Limbaugh, what a bunch of jerks. Don Lemon, Rick Wilson, and that New York Times dweeb. They don't seem to realize... That they are mocking the people who manufacture and repair their cars, fly the airplanes that they travel in, operate on them in the hospital and put in their IVs, cook and serve their food in restaurants. They don't realize they're mocking and laughing at and making fun of the people who protect them from criminals who are teaching their kids, who drive their Ubers, who are defending us in the military around the world, who clean the snow off of their pristine elitist streets, who make their adult beverages at the bar, who maintain the electrical grid so they've got power in their homes, and on and on and on. It's a good point. They're making fun of the people who make America work because they voted for Trump. And one of these clowns is a Republican strategist making fun of Republican voters. You imagine the next time this guy gets a candidate, somebody hires him to go get him elected. It's a Republican maybe running for Senate, running for the House, whatever, hires Rick Wilson. And this, this is on the record. 
This is the guy that's going to tell a Republican candidate what he needs to do to get Republican votes? Uh, let's see. Who's next? This is Tim. Tim's in Pecan Valley, Idaho. Great to have you on the program today, Tim. Hello. Hi, Rush. Uh, Mega Rush, baby dittos. It is a huge honor to, to be on the air with you. I understand. Uh, Thank question. you very much. <laughs> Thank you. My question was, thinking about Bolton and testifying and everything the last few days, is I wanted to get your opinion as the genius host on the likelihood that he turns out to be another Colonel Oliver North that after all this hubbub, they maybe end up doing a deal. They allow him to testify so it doesn't drag on impeachment, and he gets up there, and it's a giant nothing burger. Uh, there's nothing about Well, you know what? You are not alone in speculating this, but I think this is mostly wishful thinking. I have, you know, because Bolton has been making it known in recent weeks that he wants to testify. That whenever the subject of witnesses against Trump has been brought up, Bolton has raised his hand. How do I want to testify? So the assumption has been that Bolton wants to come in and drop the hammer on the Trumpster. So here comes this leak from his book that the New York Times hasn't seen. It's just an anonymously sourced leak. We know who the leak is from, so the National Security Council, because they're the only ones that vet books like this. It has to be somebody there. And we do know that the brother of Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman, oh, Jose, can you see, is on the Security Council and does do this. So there have been some people, yeah, you know what, Bolton, he's a smart guy. He wants to come up. He wants to drop the hammer on the Democrats, Rush. So your theory is that they go through all this and they get the testimony, they get the witness, and Bolton comes in and starts praising Trump to the hilt and starts contradicting everything in the leak. I actually think it's wishful thinking more than than it is reality. But time may tell on this. We'll just have to see. Okay, folks, that's it. Now, we're going to take a break here at the top of the... What's it? That's it for this hour. We've got uh, Pam Bondi and her presentation before the Senate yesterday just zeroing in on Joe and Hunter Biden. Don't want to miss this. Okay, is that still downloading in there? How much time does it say is left? Oh, well, bring it, bring it back in here then. We got the strangest thing. Apple's released iOS 13.3.1 and the download will not download in my on my network in my office. It it's finished. It's preparing. We're done. It's good. Okay. So on a secondary network that we never use, the download happens, but I don't get it on my primary net. Go figure. Anyway, you don't care about it. Greetings and welcome back, folks. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network and the Limbaugh Institute, the fastest three hours in media. Uh, Jay Sekulow, one of the president's warriors at the impeachment trial. I want to play you a little 47-second soundbite here from uh, something he just said. Because this is a good point. This is all about common sense and perspective. To help people understand. Remember, the audience for this is this is the Senate. This is the Senate is the jury, and but but also it's for the American people. Uh, those who are watching, listen to this. Put yourself in the shoes of the president. The president of the United States 
before he was the president, was under an investigation. It was called Crossfire Hurricane. It was an investigation led by the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. James Comey eventually told the president a little bit about the investigation and referenced the Steele dossier. James Comey, the then director of the FBI, said it was salacious and unverified. So salacious and unverified that they used it as a basis to obtain FISA warrants. Members, managers here, managers at this table right here, said that any discussions on the abuse from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act utilized to get the FISA warrants from the court were conspiracy theories. So Seculo goes on, he says, put yourself in Trump's shoes. He was illegally spied on by a FBI that got FISA warrants on a bogus dossier. Put yourself in his shoes. You know that there have been forces within the government attempting to undermine you. And so is it any wonder you may not follow the talking points of Lieutenant Colonel Vindman? Oh, say, can you see? Is it any wonder you might not trust the very people who have been part of the coup to get rid of you? So I, 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 have, I didn't hear any more than that, but I hope what this is, I hope that Seculo is essentially putting this entire coup on trial. Because, my golly, folks, this deserves to happen years ago. This thing still hasn't been exposed. All that's happened is, is that everything they've claimed has been shown to be untrue. But the perpetrators have never actually been exposed. That's what Barr and Durham are doing in their investigation. Which, where's that? It's never been exposed other than to those of us who know. Uh, People like me who've told people like you. But it's never been exposed. Here also, before we get to Pam Bondi, one more thing. Maggie Haberman, she's the one that got the leak, New York Times, about the Bolton book. And I mentioned this at the top of the program. Let me repeat it because she's making my point. Trump goes for full, all-out victory or vindication or what he doesn't compromise. You know, the pressure's on him. Mr. President, just admit, just admit that it wasn't a perfect call. Just admit that you maybe were trying for a quid pro quo, but that you realize you weren't going to get it, and so you went ahead and gave the aid. If you would just admit that it wasn't a perfect call, if you would just admit that, of course, it was a quid pro quo because that's what foreign policy is, then this would all go away. And by the way, that is what is being written today. There are many conservative, uh, shall we say, commentators, intellectuals who are literally advising the president to do that. Just, just, just say it wasn't a perfect call. Just admit that there was a quid pro quo. It's silly to admit that there wasn't a quid pro quo. And Trump is so far resisting it. And here's Maggie Haberman. She's on CNN this morning. And she's talking to one of the, uh, the, the Ken Dahl anchors named John Bourbon. And he said, I know I'm naive and Pollyannish, and I'm living in a different world, but if what John Bolton says is true, then the president's lying. 
And he's lying about something, the center of an impeachment trial, lying about something American people have been focused on for months, lying about something that's not minor. And it just seems to me that should matter in some universe. That should matter. We have seen with this president over and over again, even with the Access Hollywood tape, people will hear this in a way different than I intended. But it is an edge if you are not going to be shamed and you are just going to plow straight ahead and keep walking. And if you have a partner in Mitch McConnell who also looks you know, pretty down the road at winning, that is where you're going. Some Democratic operatives wondering, why not just agree to Hunter Biden being called? It makes a lot of people cringe. It makes a lot of Democratic senators who like Joe Biden cringe. But they figure that at the end of the day, these people who are suggesting this, they will gain more, the Democrats, than they will lose when you're dealing with an opponent who is going to do what it takes to win then I don't know why you're surprised. Right. So what she's basically saying is the Democrats are stymied by Trump because he's so determined to win and he won't be shamed. He will not be shamed into giving up. Damn it. He won't be shamed into giving up. He won't be shamed into compromising. He's going for full out 100% victory. And they're ticked off about it. And so she's trying to explain to this Pollyanna Shanker, he's lying. He's lying. Somewhere that automatic. Lying about what? Lying about Bolton? How do you know that what Bolton's reportedly written in his book is true? How does anybody know that? This is a New York Times leak, and the New York Times is famous the past three years for lying through their teeth. My golly, you, they haven't been right about so damn much. Anyway, here we go to Pam Bondi. Pam Bondi, former attorney general in Florida. She used to be in the state attorney's office over in Tampa. Uh, earlier in the in the 2000s, she got elected attorney general. She's now part of the Trump defense team. And it, the Democrats' case, if there is one, rests on the idea that Trump can't question the Bidens and what they were doing. You cannot investigate a senator. You cannot investigate Joe Biden. You can't do it. You can't ask Ukraine to do it. It's not. It's 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 outrageous. You can't do it. But Biden has made it abundantly clear by bragging about how he got a prosecutor fired who was investigating his son. Biden's actually done what they're accusing Trump of doing. So Pam Bondi. Since nobody wants to hear about the Bidens, it's supposedly off limits. Pam Bondi just destroyed Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and even used John Kerry, who served in Vietnam, his stepson, Chris Hines. Chris Hines is one of the buddies of Hunter Biden who thought that what Hunter Biden was doing was so slimy he didn't want any part of it. But the fascinating thing about Pam Bondi's presentation is that every bit of it came from the scant reporting on it in the drive-by media. Every point she made about Biden and Hunter Biden and scandal was from the mainstream media. It's not from some assertion on talk radio. It's not from some think tank or blogger or whatever. It is from the mainstream media we have listened to. One, two, three, but she went on for half hour. The whole thing was just dynamite. Let's see what we got here. Their case crumbles because they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there is no basis to raise this concern. But that's not what public records show. 
Here are just a few of the public sources that flagged questions surrounding this very same issue. The United Kingdom's Serious Fraud Office, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State George Kent, Hunter Biden's former business associate, an ABC White House reporter, Good Morning America, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Ukrainian law enforcement, and the Obama State Department itself. They all raised this issue. The issue is Hunter Biden being offered a job on the board of Burisma, owned by a Ukrainian oligarch. It's an energy company about which Hunter Biden has literally no knowledge. He was paid $83,000 a month. He has no knowledge of whatever he was paid off. And an investigation into this that was being conducted by Ukraine was interrupted by Joe Biden. Joe Biden went over to Ukraine, gave them six hours to fire the prosecutor looking into his son, or Ukraine would lose defense aid, as promised by Obama. And Biden said, if you don't believe me, let me get Barack on the phone for you. Now, this is what they're trying to say that Trump did. They're trying to say that Trump refused aid, threatened to not give aid unless they conduct an investigation. Biden literally did it and bragged about it. And she played the videotape of Biden bragging about it. Here's the next bite from Pam Bundy. The Washington Post ran a story about it. It said the appointment of the vice president's son to a Ukrainian oil board looks nepotistic at best nefarious at worst. Again, the appointment of the vice president's son to a Ukrainian oil board looks nepotistic at best, nefarious at worst. And the media didn't stop asking questions here. It kept going. Here's ABC. You have to fight the cancer of corruption. But then something strange happened. Just three weeks later, a Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma, accused of corruption, appoints Hunter Biden, seen here in their promotional videos, to their board of directors, paying his firm more than a million dollars a year. And she used the media continually to indict them because they've already done it. Here's the last bite that we Here's have. more from ABC. Continue on. And Ukraine wasn't the only country where Hunter Biden's business and his father's diplomacy as vice president intersected. It also happened in China. This video shows Chinese diplomats greeting Vice President Biden as he arrived in Beijing in December of 2013. Right by his side, his son Hunter. Less than two weeks later, Hunter's firm had new business, creating an investment fund in China involving the government-controlled Bank of China. With reports, they hope to raise $1.5 billion. Right. Now, the video there is of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden getting off the plane in China, getting off Air Force Two in China. Now, this report, I'm going to take you back to uh, a soundbite from me in June 20th, 2019. We played that ABC News report about Hunter Biden's dealings in China and Ukraine. Now, you might remember when that report hit, I was gobsmacked. I said, holy smokes, this is the first move they're making to take Biden out. You remember that, Mr. Snurdly? I mean, this was a huge hit piece on this entire corrupt arrangement that Joe Biden had arranged for his son Hunter in Ukraine and with the Chicoms. 
And ABC reported on it from top to bottom. I said, they're taking him out. This is the first. And then nothing more happened. Says, what, what, maybe it was a trial balloon to see if Biden could withstand it. Maybe it was a trial balloon by ABC and the rest of the left to see if Biden could get past it. And I think that's what it actually ended up being, because there was no follow-up. Here's how I characterized it back on June 20th, 2019. Somebody in the Democrat media complex has decided it's time to take plugs out. Don't know the specific reason. We've been talking about these deals. Conservative media has educated their audiences on all of this. China, Ukraine... Joe Biden setting his sons up to become obscenely wealthy. Nobody was interested. Now, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, it's not in the clear blue. After Plugs comes out and pledges his love and support for segregationist senators, here comes ABC News blowing up Plugs and his son, China and the Ukraine. Somebody's decided it's time to take Plugs out. Well, obviously was wrong about that. So there has to be some other reason that they did it. And it has to be that they, they wanted to see if it would stick, if it would do any damage. And obviously they decided it didn't. Now, what Pam Bondi did, it was just astounding. You, I couldn't take my eyes away from it. It was so good. She used clips of testimony from Democrats' own witnesses. She had reports from the drive-by media, including this ABC story. She pointed out how Hunter Biden was paid handsomely for little reason other than he's Plugs' son. That Burisma was under investigation at the time. She played the video of Joe Biden bragging about getting the prosecutor of the case against his son fired. Laughing about it. You got six hours. I'm leaving this country in six hours. If that guy's not fired, you're not getting your aid. You don't believe me? Call Barack. So he implicates Obama. They were threatening Ukraine's aid. And guess what? That prosecutor was fired and the case into Plugs' son didn't go any further. She pointed out that Hunter Biden was involved in business with Chris Hines. That's a stepson of John Kerry, who served in Vietnam. Remember, John Kerry married one of his best friend's wives when his best friend died. John Hines, a senator from Pennsylvania, a Republican, he died. Kerry moved in on his wife, Teresa. That's how Kerry has gotten his money, married rich women. And he... And picked up a couple stepsons, and one of them was Chris Hines, who was in on all this with Plugs' kid. Both were involved in Ukraine and elsewhere at a time when ending corruption was said to be the top priority of the Obama administration. Bondi noted that journalists had asked the Obama administration about the Biden's conflict of interest. American diplomats like George Kent, Marie Yovanovitch, raised concerns. They used the very own Adam Schiff witnesses to point out how, yes, they thought what Hunter and Plugs were doing was nefarious. Yovanovitch pointed out that eventually nothing was done. Hunter Biden left Burisma the same month his father announced his campaign for presidency. It It was so good. It was done. It was so good that none of the networks covered it. 
Got to take a break. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. Okay, before we get back to the phones, I just grab sound by number 19. This is Jeffrey Tubin on CNN after Pam Bondi's presentation yesterday. I thought Attorney General Bondi did an effective job of showing how sleazy the hiring of Hunter Biden was. I mean, no. there is no way to dress that up. No. He was given a great deal of money That's for a right. job he was unqualified for. That's right. And the only reason he got it is because he was the vice president's son. Yeah, right. But what about the fact that his dad got a prosecutor fired for investigating the sleaze? And that that's what Trump wanted confirmation of, which is not an unreasonable thing. Here is uh, May in Barrington, Rhode Island. Welcome. Great to have you with us at EIB Network. Hi, um, Rush. Um, God bless you for all you do. Hey, I want to call because I think Donald Trump and I think his defense team needs to say this. He was elected to drain the swamp. That was the will of the people. And the Bidens are swamp dwellers. Um, I don't think it's talked enough about my son was in the military. He went to Afghanistan twice. He was a Marine. And Hunter Biden got into the military a few years back. And an exception was made for him because of his age. And he was also a drug addict. Then a few months, he got kicked out. And the media covered that up and didn't even report on it for like a year. You know, Biden knew about that. Why is he putting his son in the military? We're at war. These guys are putting their lives on the line. And he's putting this old, drug-addicted guy in, there's no limit to the indulgence of the son by this Father Joe. And I wouldn't want him in my son's um, platoon. Give me a break. Well, you know, Hunter, Hunter Biden, we haven't, we haven't really gone there, but Hunter Biden does have his problems. There's, and it's sad. It's uh, sad. But, 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 but time is winning. I want to respond to your main point. I'm trying, I want to envision this. Joe, uh, 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 Jay Sekulow, as Trump's warrior, is presenting a case to the Senate. And it's using your point. You want Secular to stand up there. You people in the Senate, you got to understand something. Donald Trump was elected to throw you out of here. Donald Trump was elected to clean this place of people like you. It's totally understandable you don't like him. It's totally understandable you're afraid of him. But you're toast. And that's why you know it. And that's why you don't want Trump to succeed, because you know he's trying to clean this place. I'm trying to imagine how that would go over in the Senate if Trump's lawyer tried that. We'll be back. Hang on. This is Kent in Spencer, Iowa, up next. Great to have you, sir. Hello. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Rush. I'll get right to my point. Uh, I agree with you not to have witnesses. And uh, uh, one reason I say that is... uh, if Hunter Biden is called in as a witness, uh, the same thing could happen that uh, uh, when Lois Lerner got called in as a spokesman for IRS, uh, she pled the fifth. She, I think, was working as uh, on tax exempt status for a conservative nonprofit, and uh, at the House uh, committee meeting or. Uh, uh, that investigation, she pled the fifth. Nothing happened at uh, at that hearing, and uh, I'm gonna say the same thing could happen to Hunter Biden. You know, what's his uh, defense? I don't think he has one. Very easily could plead the fifth, meaning his testimony wouldn't happen, and it'd be a complete waste of time. No witnesses. I think we'd be better off. Well, I agree with you. I think this witnesses thing is a ploy. It's a trick. 
It's done simply to extend this, to prolong the opportunity to dirty it up, and to eventually dirty up the acquittal, to taint the acquittal, which is obviously what part of this is about. But I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why I say no to witnesses. It's real simple. Because the Democrats are asking, no, you don't run the Senate. The Democrats want witnesses, and there's no need for witnesses. The House should have called every witness they want. It is not up to the Senate to do it. There's no reason to cave on this. The American people are not with the Democrats on this issue. The Republicans do not have to demonstrate that they're fair. The Republicans don't have to demonstrate they're nice guys. It is obvious it's the Democrats and the left who are grossly unfair here. Everybody supporting Trump, and it's a growing number, is fed up with this. They are fed up with the way Trump is being treated. They're fed up with all this. There's no need for the Republicans to say, okay, we'll agree to witnesses so that the people will think that we're fair and nice and bipartisan all that rot gut. It's a freaking trap. And you say no because Schumer's asking for it. You say no because Schiff is asking for it. I think going along with this witness business, the people who support this, for some reason they're enamored of the process of all this. When everybody ought to be focused on the result. The result is ending this. Not getting off on some process because it's so historical in nature. If these guys... McConnell, whoever else, if they agree to this witness trick, it's just going to show weakness. And the Republican voters are going to be fit to be tied if they fall for this. If they go along with this, what's the next thing the Democrats are going to ask on the basis Republicans are being unfair? Okay, so they're going to give us our witnesses, and we're going to get one that's going to plead the fifth under Biden. So what's next? What are they next going to claim the Republicans are unfair on? This stuff has to be shut down. This is not some little exercise in constitutional process. Donald Trump is in a politically deadly battle. Either he wins or we all lose. It's as simple as that, folks. He wins or we all lose. And the Democrats know this. So screw these recalcitrant Republicans wavering fearfully over whatever. You know, I just, I, I, I don't understand the thing. I, why is it that when we are in a position of strength it cannot be seen and acted on accordingly. Quid pro quo phone call. There's nothing here that's impeachable. There's nothing here that needs more witnesses. And if there were, Schiff could have called them. It's up to the people making the case here. It's not even about this phone call. That's the thing. It's not about the phone call. It's about destroying Trump and what he represents. It's about destroying Trump and his voters. 
Can these people not see this? I got to take a break. And we'll do that. We'll be back. We'll continue fastest three hours in media right here on the Rush Limbaugh program. So a bunch of people today have sent me a picture of Hunter Biden. And I said, what, what, what is this? As though I would, by looking at the picture, I would understand what is important about it. And, hey, Rush, look at this, Hunter Biden. Okay. Hunter Biden, it looks like he's pulling up a sock on his left or right pant leg or whatever while getting out of a car. And some woman standing on the curb waiting for him. So what, what am I supposed to see here? So I got this three or four times. I don't know what this is. So I now I got a version of it. And apparently the woman is his wife. She's pregnant. But I was supposed to notice that it was a Porsche. That it's a $160,000 car. And that Hunter Biden may not be suffering all that much. I didn't know that he was suffering. What am I missing? I, honest, I will admit to you, I do not make it a point to follow Hunter Biden's day-to-day news. So is Hunter Biden in bad straits out there? Is he suffering or what? Okay, so well, okay, so I'll tell you, Hunter Biden, and he was, oh, left out something very important. He was arriving for lunch at the Waldorf Astoria. So I guess I'm supposed to see that here's this guy. In a $160,000 sports car showing up at a restaurant where the entrees cost 110 bucks. What a slime. What a sleaze. The guy's got a portion he's eating at the wall of Astoria. I guess he must be, I guess the story must be that Hunter Biden's despondent and depressed and all that over this. And he doesn't look it in the... Uh, in the picture. Hey, uh, Mark in um, Uber Heights, Ohio. Great to have you, sir. Hello. Yeah? Is that right? MSNBC, you say? No, I never watch MSNBC. I... Why? Why would I want to watch MSNBC? It's an absolute total waste of time. The only thing different than that in CNN is that they admit that they're a bunch of leftist commie bastards. There's actually no caller here, folks, but nobody's told me that, so I'm pretending as though there is. What? Well, he's not the... You did what? Oh... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some NBC info, babe, reporting in the Kobe Bryant crash referred to the Los Angeles uh, N-words instead of Lakers. And that has to be, that has to be a slip of the tongue. I I did not see it, but I heard about it. Said she stuttered. Uh, You know, see, this is the kind of... This is the kind of thing that we conservatives understand. Nobody would intend to do that and let it go. But if that had happened on Fox, if that had happened on Fox, whoever did it would be destroyed by now. Would have been accused of doing it on purpose. You know, there was a, I forget this poor guy's name, an ESPN tennis reporter who described Venus Williams in the Australian Open as really executing guerrilla tactics in controlling the net. He's been fired for calling her a guerrilla. 
but it's G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. In fact, Nike was running a commercial talking about guerrilla tactics in tennis. This guy was fired, and he's still been fired, and he's, everybody knows that he did not utter a racial word at all, and he still can't get a job. And the New York Times is still running stories about the guy being a racist. And then there was the poor guy at the Washington, D.C. City Council who described the budget as niggardly, which means cheap and miserly. He got canned for using the N-word because people didn't know what niggardly meant. It's N-I-G-G-A-R-D-L-Y. You watch, I'm going to get in trouble over that. And it's a real word. Okay, the Republicans have rested their case. They played a bunch of video from Jerry Nadler and a bunch of Democrats in 1998 in the Clinton impeachment in which they said the exact opposite of what they've been saying in this impeachment about getting rid of Trump. It was an effective way to end, but it's over. Well, the presentation of the case is over. Hell knows who will know what's next. Whatever it is, we'll be here for it. See you then.